The world's favorite millennial, Stephen Busaka, is totally pissed on this week's podcast. He gets in a pretty good rant about the state of the environment. He is usually G-rated, so we bleeped out most of his profanity. But believe me, you will get the message. Only this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. You're all fired up today, Busaka. I am. I really am. Why? Because you caught so many ladyfish and flamingo the other day? <laughs> Too many ladyfish, not enough bonefish. Dude, you can't fish ladyfish spots. So it was supposed to be a sea trout spot. Same shit. Sea trout, ladyfish. Well, it would have been nice to get something other than a ladyfish. I mean, I'm not even joking. If we had a dollar for every ladyfish that we caught down there, we between four of us, we had to have caught at least 30 of them. <laughs> 30 ladyfish. If not more. I'm not even joking. It was ladyfish after ladyfish. Were you retying? No, not that much. They don't really. You didn't retie? Dude, you got to retie after every ladyfish if you want to get the big snook. <sighs> but then again, you guys are trout fishing. So but... all that shit is totally <laughs> beneath me. So I'm the last one to give you any type of fishing advice. So fun fact about me, I've never, I've never caught a sea trout before. So I was like, well, I said, you know what? This could be something added to the list, I guess, if you want to say. And I finally did hook a trout. And it came <laughs> off right at the boat. <laughs> so I didn't really get my trout. So the whole strategy of the fishing trip was to go to Flamingo to catch a trout. Yep. It's fucking two hours. Yeah. I mean, a solid two hours. Listen. To, to catch a trout. <laughs> it, was, it was better than sitting at home. But we did get some snook, though. What? They weren't real big, but we got some snook. Yeah, but you were trying to get trout. You crushed the ladyfish. And you, you, <laughs> I don't say that proudly. <laughs> and you caught and you caught a couple snook. And we caught some jacks. And the snooks, I, I'm just gonna assume, were a lot. Were they bigger or smaller than the ladyfish? No, they were bigger than the ladyfish. How much? Uh, give or take, maybe three, four pounds. Three or four pounds. Yeah. How big were the ladyfish? Three there pound? were some big ladyfish. I mean, they were like this. So the three-pound ladyfish? Yeah, they were actually solid ladyfish. So six-pound snooks. Five to six pounds. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not proud to admit that we caught a shit ton of ladyfish, but... Well, that, it's common. It's a, it's a problem people have, like you. And the other common one is catfish. Fuckers go over there and get covered up by the catfish. I was so happy we didn't get any catfish. I hate those things. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, it's a it's a two hour ride. How much it cost you to get in? I don't remember. Drew, I think covered the cost of getting in. Yeah, I, I think he's got a year pass. <laughs> yeah, that's left over from FWC. And I ain't gonna renew. I know. I think he's. I think it's like fifty fifty bucks a year. <laughs> so, dude, you, you're on the uh, you're on the phone with me. And you want to do a recording, and you're all fired up, and you want me to turn down the volume a little bit because you don't want to over friggin' over project, over project. What's your problem, dude? So you know how much I love the Fakahatchee Strand, right, dude? It it. So let me give you the backstory. Okay, backstory. So about two weeks ago, so I don't know if you know this, but if you go on Instagram, there's a way that you can actually look up certain places. Like you can type in the Fakahatchee Strand. Right. And you can hit select the place itself. And you can see, select recent photos that were taken there. Okay. I like to do that every so often. I'm interested to see what people have seen. Um, somebody, of course, saw a panther the day before I went last time I was pissed. But, you know. Well, that's better chances you see him one if the guy saw one the day before, so. Yeah, I'll free 85,000 acres, so. But, um, yeah. So, anyway, so I was looking through it, and I, I happened to look, and I was like, what the hell is this? Somebody saw a python out there. Right. And it was, it was like a five, six footer. Like, it was a good one. And I don't think a five, six footer is like a good one. I think it was more like seven, eight foot, maybe. No, that's still a good one. Because a lot of times they'll catch them like real small. They're like maybe be like two feet, but it was it was a decent one. Okay. But either way, a python is bad news. So the lady that took the video, of course, I hate to stereotype. Uh, she was of course from the north. 
need to start kind of keeping our eyes peeled. So I reported it to the folks that, that work over there at the Fagahatchee, and they were like, oh, you know, thanks so much for letting us know. Okay, whatever. Um, so I ended up going there, I think like two days later, and, you know, the dudes are there to unlock the gate. And I said to them, I said, um, hey, I said, uh, you guys, I hope were informed about the Python site. And they were like, oh, were you the one who reported it? And I said, yeah. I said, I, you know, found the video. I said, I let the girls know. And you know what his response was? What? Huh. Yeah, we don't really get them over here. Let me tell you what that response translates to. I don't bleep. <laughs> I'm not doing anything about it. Right. I want to unlock this gate in the morning, go park my ass in that office and sit there the whole day. Right. And then I want to lock that gate back up at the end of the day. That's what that translates for. And that pissed me off. Well, we're not going to do anything about it. Right. Which to me is what we always say is how bad does the problem need to get before you do something about it? So hold on, let me ask you a question. Now, who was this guy? This was the... He works there. He's one of the park uh, rangers. Park ranger. Yes. All right. So. So, so that, that was one thing that pissed me off. Right. Here's the other thing. There, and this happens naturally out there, the dirt roads will start to get little potholes in it. You know, so you got to really go slow, which to me is a blessing in disguise. So folks can't just freaking fly down that road because I follow the Fakahatchee on Facebook. And all I've been seeing is all the animals that are being killed, being run over because they decided to flaunt the fact that they filled in all the potholes. And now people can fly down that road and now they're killing shit. Like what? What'd you find? Birds, turtles, snakes, otters, all kinds of stuff. Okay. Here's where I get pissed. Right. I've seen them in there flying down that road. Dude, it's a matter of time before one of these fuckers hits a panther out there. And what pisses me off is this is typical government agency thinking. We're going to fix all the roads. Oh, shoot, everybody, please slow down on that road. They're not going to slow down. Here's what would have had them slow down. You maybe fill in a few of the potholes. Don't fill them all in. Do you see where I'm coming from? Well, I do see where you're coming from. And you're, you know, you're getting frustrated because you want to see, like, some people to apply just, like, a little bit of common sense. Yeah, which, unfortunately, as you know, is a lot to ask these days. <laughs> Dude. Common sense would just make too much common sense for them to actually do anything about it. Plus, if you're a government official, park ranger, FWC, whatever, you're getting paid by the government. Why in the world would you report anything? You just have to do extra work. You're not going to get paid any more. You're not going to get paid any less. So as long as these douchebags get these jobs and they're structured this way where there's no incentive for them to actually outperform, I think we're going to get more and more of the same. I think it's always been that way. I think it will always be that way. But it's like, it just blows my mind because it's like, I, I got a buddy, uh, Ryan, he goes out there a lot too. He is as passionate as they come. Like he reminds me a lot of us. And he and I have both said, and here, here's another one too. So I've told you about the Everglades mink. The mink, yeah. You, yeah. I, dude, I've been seeing it. I've been seeing one every single time I have gone. A lot of minks. Which makes me happy because they're extremely rare. But and I've been lucky enough. And last time was the best time. I actually got out of the truck and I got down and he was literally like from me to your knee away. Well, isn't a mink the type of rodent that can actually quick enough to outperform the python? That's what I'm hoping. Well, if you're seeing a lot of minks and they're seeing pythons... Yeah. I don't think the pythons are getting the minks, maybe. Which is hopefully, yeah, that's hopefully the case. But I, I like seeing them. But, you know, my whole thing is it's like my buddy Ryan was like, oh, you know, you should actually talk to the park biologist about your mink sightings. They can do some you science know. then. Well, you know, you could, because you could say when you're seeing them and what they're doing, their behavior. That could be good research for them. So I said, all right. So I called the lady and I said, you know, is he there? And I wanted to, I was told this would be a good idea. Well, he actually gets back tomorrow, and uh, let me take down your number, and I'll give him your information. It's been two weeks. Hasn't called. He don't give a <laughs> He don't give a f bleep.
Ooh, ver- uh, the, the cursing and everything. I warned you on the way here. I said that this might be really fired up. You're usually so G-rated. Not anymore. Because he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. His job is to actually take note of this stuff. You will not tell me that that guy is sitting in that office getting that many phone calls a day. He's not. <laughs> All right. I'll, he's not. I'll, I'll roll with you on that. Yeah, he's not. He just don't care. Now, I'm sure if I hammered him enough, he'd finally call me back. But who the hell knows what he'd even do with that information? Because guess what I found out? He's retiring in like six months. Hmm. So okay. you really think he cares? Right. It's kind of like no. when you call the DEP. Exactly. No, Literally. No, I know. It is. Same shit. And I, I'm very tempted to call them out on it next time I go in. Or, wait, let me, I, it, or if you called the FWC. Jeff, that's where I'm going with this. Is you, This literally is like the arguments that you have been making for years. Right. And it just blows my mind because I would like to think. See, people like to say that they're passionate and they love the place. But when a little extra work is required to go into it, mm-hmm. all of a sudden nobody's anywhere to be found yeah but they'll get they'll like sign up for cca for 30 bucks a year or whatever it is and claim that they're really helping the environment out well they get the sticker too so they can put that on the back of the truck that's right and everybody thinks that they're an environmental crusader basically right and everybody thinks that just because they love spending time out there and they love taking pictures that means that you're really for the environment let me ask you a question you see a piece of trash i've seen people walk by pieces of trash out there on the fact that you trail. just walk right by it I'll go out of my way. Now, mind you, I have a stick to make sure there's not a water moccasin sitting right next to you when I get bit. I'll go pick up all the trash. See, now, that that's that's my same thinking. If I'm at, like, John Lloyd Park or Birch Day Park or the beach or, you know, public areas, I'll often pick up the trash that I see. Yeah. Now, if I was on the Fakahatchee Trail or if we were fishing out in 10,000 islands and I saw some plastic, I'd go over, spend the time and energy to go get the piece of plastic, put it in the boat. I do that shit here sometimes when I see something really fucked up. Yeah. But here, I just, I'm so disgusted by it. If there was 10,000 of me picking up plastic every day, they just dump that much more shit into the fucking they would. intercoastal here. So I'm not a big crazy advocate of beach cleanups and that kind of thing. But when I do see the pollution, the trash in places like Fakahatchee Trail, Everglades National Park, John Lloyd Park, any place that I visit like that, I go out of my way to pick up the trash. And it's hard to believe that there's a fucking trail right there. <laughs> that multiple people, enough people are walking down the trail where it bothers you because you think you're scaring off all your animals. Well, so you, you can't I was gonna see say, them. You know how I feel about that. Right. You can at least pick up the trash. I was going to say, if you're going to if you're gonna walk through here and scare the shit out of everything, at least pick up the plastic bottle if you see it. Now, I will say this. The Fakahatchee Strand, in mm-hmm. my opinion, is the least polluted. Because there, there are people that do go out there and care. Right. But that really pissed me off because this goes back to when we always talk about these people with government jobs. They get this laid back job. Literally. When I told them about that, they saw the video. Right. They even told me that they saw the video. Right. This was not a small python. Well, you know, I've I've spoken to a lot of FWC officers, you know, about the same type of issue. And one of the things that people don't realize, it comes from the top, the top of the administration. Because let's say there's an FWC officer who's really gung-ho about tracking down pollution like drew that was drew that was drew that's why he left yep we're gonna he's gonna actually he actually agreed to do a podcast about it he's are you serious he's washed the taste the bad taste out of his mouth where now he can talk about it i think before he didn't want to talk about it because it was just well it's just tough you know you you become an fwc officer because you want to do good for the environment and you find out that the system that you're working in makes it virtually impossible for them to help they're so busy doing safety checks and doing all sorts of crap that bullshit DUI stuff and has nothing to do with conservation, nothing to do with the environment. And I feel for a lot of these guys, I would imagine that the park ranger that you're talking about, I mean, I'll go out on a limb here. I don't know. I didn't do the research. I haven't talked to a lot of park rangers, but I'd be willing to bet that the system that he has to work in makes it so hard 
for him to even maybe right. get do a what he's supposed to do there. between the paperwork and the process of doing all that crap. Here's here's what I really think happened. Um, I know so there's two girls that work there that I know, and the, they're fantastic. I think they care, but you bring up a good point because I wonder if whoever their boss is maybe said, well, it's just one Python. We're not taking the time and spending the money to have people start coming in here if it was just one. But again, that goes back to what you would always say is how bad does a problem need to get before react on it? Because that's what happened in Everglades National Park. And when we were driving down there, it's beautiful, Jeff, but let me tell you something. You look, it is lifeless marshes. The pythons have devastated everything out there because I've just found this out. They do not allow python hunting in Everglades National Park, which is why the biggest concentration they think is now there, not in Big Cypress anymore. They now think it's in Everglades National Park because they're not allowed to hunt for them down there. Well, I'm pretty sure that it's in Everglades National Park because Matt Briggles my particular licensed python contractor i'd like to meet him one day he gets he gets certain areas where they let you know they, they let you do it they let they let him do it they're assigned certain areas and the most productive areas by far are the ones that are closest to the park correct like the night burser and i went with him i mean we were i mean we were right parallel to the park for the most part and um yeah, he was telling us where they get the most of them. There's also a spot that I can't remember the name of it, but there's a name that these Python contractors call it. And if they want to go... Tamiami um, Trail? It's No, it's not. The, it's like a part of the Tamiami Trail, but whatever. Then Like Big Bend or whatever. So they okay. go to this place called Big Bend, and it's right, right next to the friggin' park. And that's where they go if they're like in a contest and they're trying to get the biggest or most pythons. Yeah. So I don't think that's... Uh, I think that's common knowledge, but the whole Python killing program that they have is total horseshit. I mean, the parameters that they put on these licensed Python contractors and how they, where they can go, how, they, how they can do how it. they can catch them and how they can kill them. And you have to be one of these guys to legally do it. So if you and I were out there and we saw a, a nest with 50 pythons in there. We could go in there with a, with a shovel or something and kill them all. Yeah. That's illegal. Really? Yes, sure. And that's what I mean. The whole program is designed to fail. Because if, seri- if they were serious about that, any redneck with a shotgun should be able to go up to a friggin' python and blow its head off. You could, or if you come or across a guy a with nest, a machete or whatever. If you come across a nest, I would just stomp every freaking egg in there. Right. Now I don't I don't I don't know what the legalities of that are. If but I, if I had to put a hundred bucks on it, I'd say you're not allowed to do it unless you're a licensed Python contractor, and they probably have to collect them and bring them to some place. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I mean. The whole process is dumb. All I'm gonna say is this: if I were to come across one, I would do my very best to try to get it out of there. I mean, and listen, they I don't understand why they would even get mad at me, because guess what? They're not doing it. Right. If anything, they should be the ones doing. See, this is what driving. This is why I'm getting fired up. Is why am I more fired up than the people who are getting paid to be fired up? Because this is the case. Whether it's the water, the python, like this is always the case, right? The people that actually care, or the no, the people that should be caring don't care. No, this is my this has been my my biggest argument, my biggest problem I have with being outspoken on the environment is that you hit it on the head when you said most people won't put forth the extra effort that they need to put forward. Secondly, is most people are just totally oblivious. Even though they see it, they drive by it, they go by it, they see it, it's right in front of their face, but they're oblivious. Between the two, it's really, really hard. And then the first thing all these environmental foundations and stuff talk about is, oh, we don't have the resources or the funds. And they start. They need to start collecting money. Right. It's all about money. And it's not about the funds. 
It's about the will of the people and the drive of the message to the people. Are you willing to educate the people enough to let them know what a, how big of a problem that it is? And then encourage the people to actually do things instead of discourage them to actually do things which is what happens when you call the DEP or FWC or anything. Now you call, you get off the phone, you're like, "That was a total waste of you time." You feel like you did not, you, nothing was accomplished. Is how you feel. You feel worse. Here, well, here's, than ignoring it almost. Here, here's my thing: is I feel like typically with the pythons, they just want you to report it, dude. You report. Okay, you reported it. In my case, I guarantee you, nothing was done. I'd be willing to bet you money, Jeff. I'm going to tell you right now. Like I, and I get pissed off because this made me think of what you said about our water problem here. How bad does it need to get? I mean, you know what? I'm going to tell you something pretty sad. You know me. I'm a little bit bougie when it comes to seeing wildlife. Like I like the bears and the panthers. Right. A lot of the other stuff typically doesn't really phase me that much. I still like seeing it, but... You know, I like seeing the bears and the panthers. Those are my favorites. Do you know when I go into the Everglades, I'm ecstatic when I see deer. Ecstatic. Because that's... I I was ecstatic last time I saw raccoons. I saw a mama raccoon with her three little babies. And I was ecstatic. You want to know why? Because those are signs of a healthy ecosystem. Which is something that the majority of the Everglades is not anymore. Mm-hmm. A big part of it is the pythons. As we also know, a big part of it is the lack of natural freshwater flow. Here, I'm going to give you another example. When we were down there in Flamingo and we're at the boat ramp, these two, I don't know if they were biologists or what they were. They were coming and asking everybody like what they caught. They were taking notes. Surveys. Surveys. Yeah, surveyors. And I said to them, I said, you know, you guys ever see panthers around here anymore? Very rarely. You guys ever see deer anymore? Very rarely. You ever see bears in here? Otters. Everything was hardly ever. And their response is, well, you know, I mean, this is a pretty rough environment out here. When was it not rough? It's the bleep baits. It's meant to be rough, but these things still lived out there. And you're just going to, you're going to say, well, it's pretty rough out here. So that's, it's hard for them to survive. They were surviving out here long before. So what changed? Two things. The lack of freshwater flow. And those goddamn pythons. They don't see raccoons hardly ever anymore. They hardly see rabbits anymore. Dude, they don't even see otters hardly ever in the Everglades. That one kills me. You remember the song Seminole Wind by John Anderson? No. (laughs) It's a great song. You should listen to it. Seminole Wind by John Anderson. He specifically meant it's about the Everglades. And he talks about the otters. It made that into the song, but yet now we hardly see them. Well, people... You know, they're like cockroaches. They just condition themselves, adapt, and move on. I mean, I go over it all the time. I mean, the amount of fish that's left in the intercoastal water system is a tenth of what it was just seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And everybody that spends the time and energy on the water like I do agrees. It's unanimous. Yeah. There's not one person that would disagree with it. But it's not a crisis, according to everybody else. Well, I think I think it's like you said. People are kind of they conditioned themselves to it. They almost just kind of become numb to it. They'll complain about it, but nobody ever really does anything about it. There's the education system has to progress and change. And right now, the education system is basically worthless. It's beyond worthless. So the kids are coming out of school, and they don't know that the landscaper down the street, who's using the blower. That's blowing all that shit into the canals every fertilizer. single day. They don't. They don't even know. Well, forget the fertilizer stuff. You know, there's, but simple things like that. One, the government who's supposed to look out for these types of things, they don't know and don't care. It's something as simple as that. A kid will get will become an MBA. He'll have an MBA, and not and the guy that's cutting his lawn is blowing that shit right into the canal and has absolutely no, no nothing no. doesn't doesn't register he doesn't know and it's things that are just that simple that would help mother nature enough where maybe the canals and stuff could grow oysters and stuff again 
You know what I mean? It's Dude. little things like that. And everybody thinks this is a huge, big deal. To what? Educate people? And then take the simplest things first? Implement them? Oh, well, that sounds so complicated. It's so complicated to tell the dudes that work for the city to quit Don't blowing the stuff in the friggin' canal the glass clippings nobody cares they don't care even they don't know most of them and if they did know they still don't care i care why do i care because it makes my life harder every single day every day that things get worse so i care dude the same thing is in biscayne bay i told you my last trip in biscayne bay was awful it was beyond awful this freaking dude and his girl on a jet ski literally blowing across every flat that we were trying to fish. Well, that's... He should have been fined. And he... Because what he was doing was illegal, but there was nobody there to hold him accountable. Where is FWC in that case? Dude. Like, and that's why so many of them... They just do it. Well, they're busy checking life jackets at the ramp. <laughs> it's like, but that's why I told you, like, the Bahamas ruined me in a way. Because I was like, between the quality and the quantity of fish, the water quality over there. Jeff, you could go on a flat out there and not even see another boat. Let alone, I mean, not let alone a jet ski, nothing. So people freaking ruin everything. The Literally, less people, the, the better pretty much is. the better everything is. Yeah. For the most part. And the Bahamas, it's damn near inhabitable. So it's not going to get overtaken by... You know, people like the state of Florida is. And that, that's it. You know, you know, that's my new thing. What? Well, like, okay, the elections are over and stuff, which I want to talk to you about the election thing. Because yes. a lot of people don't know how involved you were in the in the election. Yeah. But, like, uh, all right, so the election's over now. And people's ultra sensitivities about their candidates and who they want to win, you know, are way down. There was, like, you know, 10 plus. And now they're down to like maybe a five. I'd say less than that. So I don't mind, you know, I don't want to get, you know, people too fired up. No, I don't mind do it, getting man. people get fired up. I don't mind getting people fired up. But like before the election, you could trigger some fuckers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was I was doing the new slogan where I was saying, Where's Ron? Mm-hmm. Simply because of all the stuff that's been happening down here, the fish kills, Biscayne Bay. The record sewage spills, and we haven't really heard a whole bunch from Ron. And then as I was saying, I always, I was only into that whole uh, slogan for about two weeks. Ron came down here to Miami, and they passed some sort of bill where they're going to spend, I don't know how many millions of dollars on the environment. $22.7 million. $22.7 million. And I have mixed emotions about that. Because Fort Lauderdale was just bragging about how much money they spent on resurrecting the Tarpon River. And the, tarp, and the Tarpon <laughs> River has never been more polluted. And I've never seen more of a waste of funds than I've ever seen the city do. And God knows I've seen them just totally blow shit. They spent like two million bucks on the Tarpon River, and it's worse than it's ever been. Did you see the Tarpon River pictures today? I did. With the dead fish. Yep. And the dude, it's disgusting. And we just spent millions of dollars. For what? And the city had this big celebration about how they completed the project to restore the Tarpon River. Not even friggin' a month later, there's fish floating down the thing. It looks like holy hell. So when Ron went to Miami and he's talking about spending $22.7 million, yep. well, dude, if you leave it to the cities to spend the money, they'll probably fuck it. Well, they'll do exactly what we did in here at Fort Lauderdale. They'll just blow it on absolutely nothing, and then another fish kill will happen, and all the environmentalists and everybody will be down there going, gee, we're not sure really why the fish are all dead. Did you see the news? I don't watch the news. All right, so I tape the news when I know there was a fish kill in Biscayne Bay because I want to see what the coverage is on it. Mm -hmm. So they had our girl, Rachel Silverstein from Miami Waterkeepers. And she's the go-to for information on what happens to the bay and everything. And they asked her why all the fish were dying. She says, well, geez, we're not really sure. I don't think it takes they a ask, why don't they ask? Why don't they ask me? Why don't they ask me? 
they should. Because I'm I'm 99% sure I know. And if they ask me, I'll just let them know. It just happened to come right out of that little Miami River Canal. And 400 yards to the right of it and 400 yards to the left of it, it stinks like holy hell and there's dead fish everywhere. Well, there was contamination that came out of that canal. And why did the contamination come out of that canal? Because that was during that moon tide. And the tides got high enough where it friggin' got into everybody's backyards and stuff, and they were pumping the friggin' water back and friggin' trying to make sure everything didn't flood. When the waters receded, all the contamination, all the broken pipes, it all rushed into the Miami Little River, it all flowed out into the bay, and it killed everything. Why didn't I hear that on the fucking news from the scientists, from the people that are experts in the field? Because they don't want to upset the government. I don't know what's going on, but this is common. It happens over and over again, and it just happened here in Miami. So when Ron comes down and he talks about $22.7 million, I want to know where every dollar went. Because if it goes to the people like the city of Fort Lauderdale and they spend it like they spend it on the Tarpon River, it's going to get worse, not better. So, back to your point. We need more people to actually pay attention and care and when they call people from the government to follow up and to be total pests until they get some sort of friggin answer and that's got to be the extra energy that the everyday environmentalist like yourself does it has to spread like covid in order for it to be successful dude let me tell you something all this shit i post on instagram it's not to show off it's I want people to see this, think it's cool, and actually be like, wow, maybe I want to get involved and actually try to protect this. Because people are going to want to protect what they love. I got somebody that lives Bucky, a friend of mine. She's posting all kinds of stuff about the Everglades now. And I said, I love that you're doing this. She goes, I got you to thank for this. She goes, this place is awesome. I can't wait to come down and see it. Right, right. Well, you we got people that live here. Jeff, they don't even care about it. Well, and that, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we started the Coastal Community Network. To, that nobody to, gave a shit about? Well, people didn't give a shit about, but the amount of exposures that we have gotten because we produce content on these issues is absolutely huge. So what does that show us? One in a million people actually give a shit? Okay, well, at least we know where we stand. But without that type of media and without that type of extra energy, the snowball will never be created. Obviously, the foundations have not created any type of real snowball because the foundations have been around forever. And they brag about their members have never been so strong. But well, how, we're still failing. But we fail and, it, and things are getting worse. Every, <laughs> I'm just saying. Right, like, I'm just saying. So we can't, right, we can't take that serious. Like that's a part of the snowball. So I think the snowball has started, Busaka. Unfortunately. Is it too late is the question. It's not too late. It's never going to be too late. Mother Nature's strong. With a she little is, bit of help, she, is she will rebound. I've seen it happen in other places. Yeah, We've seen little tiny things happen, like some grass grow back in Everglades National Park where the water has started to flow through there better. Look at the Mosquito Lagoon. They're actually starting to see seagrass grow in places it hasn't been in years. So we know, you know there's little tiny success stories and that kind of thing. We're losing the whole war. But we have created the snowball. The main reason we talk about it in the podcast. Now, we don't talk about environmental issues 24-7, 100% of the time. But every single podcast that we've produced, there's a mention. Mm-hmm. We try to educate the narrative. people. The narrative is there. And we're not the only ones. Some other people are producing some really good content that's, that, that's doing the same thing. And hopefully, just hopefully... People will be able to see through the mirage of government. I think they're starting to, to see be through the mirage of all the foundations and stuff and realize that it's a personal responsibility. And there needs to be hundreds of thousands of us to carry that responsibility like soldiers, like an army. I want to I want to share something with you. Go ahead. I heard a quote the other literally just yesterday, Ronald Reagan. And he said, I'm from the government. 
and I'm here to help. Yeah, that's an that's an old. Lots of people say that, and they've been saying it for years. And he's but right, it's good. But it's good that you millennials get that message, because that was a great message. It hits home. It makes a lot of sense, and it really puts things in perspective. And kids your age don't know about Reagan. No. So I'm glad you heard it. But I think it really applies to this, and goes back to what you were saying: is it's it needs to be a personal responsibility. We can't just rely on government agencies or foundations or foundations. Again, there are people that work at the Fakahatchee. As far as I'm concerned, they're not very useful. Now, do all of them? Do I think are useless? No. I think some of them do care, but again, I think it goes back to what you had said is I think that there's somebody going, nope, we're not doing that because then we have to do this, this, and this. Right. Because the and system. And Lord forbid we do that. Right. Because the system's created by government, which is totally useless. To benefit government. It's not to benefit us. It's to benefit them. But I'm glad that you brought up the election, though, because I want to give the folks, you know, I remember in the past, I've heard you make a lot of jokes about Central Florida being landlocked, but I got to tell you something. I got to tip my hat to the folks of Central Florida, uh, particularly the folks of Polk County. Um, There was, and I I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but there was something that they were trying to pass for all this land, hundreds of thousands of acres to be given up to be developed on. Right. And all the people up there voted no to it, and they won. Well, I, I, there, one more thing too. Where my mom lives up in Orlando, over by the Wakiva River, beautiful land out there. They wanted to try to build a development land there. The people of that community came together and said, "You are not building this on our land." And what I was happy, but I was sad because I said, "Wow, those people actually care about their environment." And then you got us in South Florida. Clowns is what we are. Well. Clowns. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're totally, totally exploited everything. We totally don't appreciate what we had or what we have now. Yeah. It's getting worse every single day. The only thing that the government in all of South Florida cares about is development. It's the only thing that gets them out of bed. It's the only thing that gets them elected. Because that's where, because all the northerners are coming down. It's. See, I, I was talking to Socrates the other day, um, not the Greek philosopher, Socrates, you the, know, the fisherman. The, the guide yes, in Homosassa. Um, Give and, him a little plug. My he's man phenomenal. Sock. I my love man. him to death. I Do you mean, know he's half Italian, by the way? You know, he had a kid. He did have a kid. So Congratulations to him. But I thought that was, he was like, I'm actually half Greek and half Italian. Whoa. Which I was like, holy crap. But anyway, so... Um, <laughs> So he's got, he the, were, he's got the hollow horn. He does. <laughs> he, um, he and I were talking the other day and I was telling him, I said, dude, I said, South Florida is literally becoming like little New York at this point. If you go up to the Del Rey Boynton area, I mean, it's literally like being in New York city. Everybody has got that thick Yankee accent. They're as rude as all get out. I mean, it's just. And it, I feel like South Florida is basically trying to cater to them. Well, like your typical New Yorker, their contribution to the environment is like to buy an electric car. And they're like patting themselves on the back like, I'm one of them. Yeah. I, you know, I'm good. And they put the Salt Life sticker on the back of it, too. They get the electric car, maybe a, maybe a golf cart to ride around in a little bit. And then they pat themselves on the back as, mm-hmm. you know, doing their part. But here, here's what pisses me off about those folks. There's most of them, not not all of them, but a good portion of them, they're city folks. Why is that an issue? They don't appreciate the environment that we have. We have, people don't know, less than an hour from Miami, there's black bears, there's Florida panthers, there's bobcats. They're terrified of that kind of stuff. That's for rednecks, according to them. Yeah. And they, they're terrified of it. They think this stuff is sitting out there just waiting to get them. Dude, that's the furthest thing that it could be. Like, so they are okay hearing that sh- that stuff's killed. They see South Florida like Boca Raton. They want to just go to their shopping malls. They want to sit on the beach and get absolutely roasted with those um, gated communities. Yes. Lots what What are those things that the uh, the New Yorkers they sit on the beach that 
that metal sheet that they sit. Oh, they have like a reflection board. Yes. So they can get tan, they get they tan, get tan, tan face. underneath their chin and everything. They yes. They don't tan unevenly. More like skin cancer, but we're not going to go down that route. And Trump's um, got, I think Trump does that. Yeah, he, he goes out at the pool at Mar-a-Lago. He gets out the reflector board. Typical New Yorker, man. Well, he wants to be red, you know, like orange, orange, orange. They call him. Um, that that's what that's what they want to see. Do you know Trump's kid fucking likes to shark fish on the beach down here in Ocean Reef? He does. Josh Jorgensen is uh, the guy he always goes with. Well, and just like he's into it. Yeah, he's kind of like Jorgensen's actually got Trump Junior's ear about the environment, and. They talk about it, and it's let's just call it progressive. Interesting. Yeah, something that I heard through the grapevine. Really? Yeah. Captain Jeff knows shit. You do know shit. People, people love telling me stuff too. Yeah, but stuff I hear every single week. <laughs> <laughs> like I hear a lot of stuff. People want to let me know. Dude, that is keep me posted on that one. Though. I'm interested <laughs> to hear kind of if anything transpires from that. Well, I think. I think the I think the snowball has started for the narrative. It has, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you why because I I will say for the first time in years I have never heard so many people say to me, "What can I do to get involved?" And the, the, this is the thing that makes me proud to be from Florida is a lot of other states are trying to get rid of their wildlife. The state of Florida, there believe it or not, there are a lot of people in the state of Florida that do care about protecting it. Right. You know, whether it be the Florida panther, the manatee, you know, there there actually are. I, I am shocked to say that there are a lot of people in the state of Florida that do care about that stuff. Well, I'll, this is going to be interesting because in 2023, um, we're going to put sponsors back on the podcast. Really? Right. It's been a while. It's been Well, I, I, I wasn't feeling the sponsor thing. I didn't like, you know, some of the sponsors changing all the time. Yeah. What what did we have? The uh, air 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 med, med lift air med care. So if, so if you like if you're a hunter or something, you get str- I mean, it's a good service and everything. So if I get stranded in the Fakahatchee one day, right? Then you have air med care come and get you in as you're bleeding to death. They just fly right in and get you. So, well, hey, dude, it's a big company. They got advertising dollars. Somebody's using them, but but. But my point is, my point is, is um, I'm gonna, I want to go after sponsors that are more. They want to be sponsors because they like the narrative. They like the part about the environment and they say, oh, well, I'm a green company and I care about the Everglades and I care about the water and I care about this. Well, they should care about the actual narrative that we keep in the recordings. Yeah. And why we're doing it. Now, granted, we have, you know, plenty of fun stuff to talk about and we goof around and I got Captain yeah. Norm and, you know, we have, you know, we do that stuff. But the real reason isn't for CPM. It's about the narrative and they want people to hear this stuff. Yeah. Because it's hard to be effective educating people about the environment. And the Real Guy podcast has been such a great tool to do so that I feel that it's totally different than just regular CPM advertising dollars. Agreed. So anyway, in 2023, we're coming up with a new lineup of sponsors. And the real reason they're sponsors and they'd like to contribute to the podcast is because of the narrative. And if they get business from it, that's actually a bigger bonus. Yes, it is. Now, being the niche company, the niche audience that we are, you know, with fishermen and outdoorsmen and people who love the water in their coastal communities, I think that, you know, they're going to get two things for the dollars that they spend. So anyway, I'm going to leave the sponsorship thing at that. But that's 2023 on the Real Guy podcast. Well, speaking of 2023, there's a few things that also need to come in 2023. One is uh, we we, we got to get back to the Bahamas and do some bone fishing. We're going to go to the Abaco Lodge. Yes, we do need to do that. And if anybody in the audience um, would like to go to the Abaco Lodge and spend four or five days there and catch bonefish, email me, jeff at lunkerdog.com, because we're going to put together um, a group of people that want to go to the Abaco Lodge, that want to do bone fishing on the backside of the Bahamas, but I want to take the whole camp. 
So it's all one big party. So Justin Napier's been arrested. Justin liked to go? Justin is, yeah. That would be great to have him. Yep. You know he and I slink around the Fakahatchee all the time now. Dude, I, I, and, and I'm going to give credit to Napier. Because you like throwing names around, and you've been throwing his name around. So if you're going to name drop, you're off of the flip out thing. You're more onto the Napier thing. So it's funny you brought that up because I said that there's another goal I have. Another goal I have. So there's a few other goals I have in 2023. One, got to get you out to the Fakahatchee because you haven't seen it yet. I- I'd like to show you the Fakahatchee. The Fakahatchee Trail. Strand. Strand. Yep. <laughs> the guy gets you out there. Here, you have to get up early, but I-, I got faith in you. I think you could do it. I'm just not going to go sleep the night before. Just keep rolling right through. Exactly. That whole getting up early thing, that's for you G-rated people. <laughs> the other thing is, I got to figure out how to meet Flip next year. All right. So we, gotta, we, we need to get serious about this because I need to meet this guy. I got some inside information for you. Really? I do. And I'm not going to drop names like you do, but somebody <laughs> told me. Somebody told me ever since COVID and stuff. Flip is getting harder and harder, let's say, to approach. So I cha- heard that. So the chances of you, you know, like seeing him at uh, like an event, say. a boat show type thing, that ain't happening Slim. probably. So you're going to have to look for an avenue, a personal avenue, where you're going to be able to get in front of your guy flip palette. Lifelong dream of the world's favorite millennial is to... Hang out with Flip for a few minutes, hours. That's all whatever. I'm asking is a few minutes. Just a few minutes with Flip. I'd like because I, like I said, I owe him. I, I owe him a lot because I I would have never gotten into bone fishing if it wasn't for him because he really was the one that made the, just he was so passionate about it and he made it so exciting. He made you want to do it. He made me want to do it. Now ultimately, Carl is the one who sealed the deal once you actually do it. But I I would have never. Well, you been, should thank me for that. And I should thank you for that because I never would have met Carl if it wasn't for you. Well, I mean, when somebody says to me, they want to go catch a bonefish in Biscayne Bay, I say to them, call Carl Ball. Right, call Carl. So all you people that have done so, Mitchell, all... all Norms, I think, all, has done it. All, all you people, you owe me. Yeah. You owe me. <laughs> but I'm, I'm used de- to that. I'm debating, to be honest with you. So it's... <sighs> dude... I'm debating on to I'm gonna take Tuesday off. I'm debating if I wanna go fishing or if I wanna go roll over to the Fakahatchee. I haven't decided yet. I tell you what, if you take Tuesday off and we get this beautiful weather the way we have been, I'll take you out to catch a sailfish. Really? Yeah. I've never caught one. Well that could be fun. Well I wanna get try to get one on fly. Oh shit. Right. So we'll get you one on Spendaggle. Yeah. But then I want to get one on fly. I've been trolling around these daisy chains of live bait. Okay. So I had like I had like six mullet right behind the engine on a daisy chain rig that I made. Okay. And they're just swimming back there like champs. All right. And the sailfish <laughs> the sailfish can't not come up to them. They just wiggle up behind them and then they're like I mean they're right there. I could put a fly in front of them so easy. So then um I was doing that all during the mullet run when I'd have a chance. And I was, you know, kind of like experimenting to see if I could get the sailfish up, you know, close enough to put a decent fly in front of them. But the mullet have thinned out and they've gotten bigger, which is a normal wintertime thing. So I did it with ballyhoos the last few trips. And it worked every bit as good. In the mullet. In the, in the ballyhoos, you actually control a little bit faster. And you could actually put more of them out. I mean, I had as many as like 11 on this daisy chain. And then when the sailfish comes up to it, you don't necessarily have to see the sailfish because the valley will all start freaking out. So how, maybe well, let's do this. Because I usually roll out to the Fakahatchee pretty early. I'm usually done around 11 o'clock. I roll over to Everglades City, have some lunch. Usually home by like maybe 2, 2.30. Perfect. Want to go that afternoon? Yeah, two, 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 and then you probably get about three hours before the sun goes down. Yep. And they seem to get more active just like, a lot of fish do as the sun goes down so yeah we'll get we'll put in a few hours and um shouldn't be a big deal my clients have been getting sailfish all week and uh I've seen that. yeah and i'm not like totally slammed although i'm gonna get a whole bunch of last minute um you think so it's it's part of the holidays like muso called today he wanted to get out and do some time and i'm like all right you know let's try to this but i also told him i said you know I expect me to cancel 
because of all this last minute stuff. People come into town, they have an extra day or whatever, and they give you a shot. And I don't know. So the other thing too is um, this year is back to normal as far as the way the the bookings are coming in. That's good because I remember shit. It was bad for a while, man. Well, it was bad, and then it was overly good. Like I mean, dude, it was ridiculous. It was so crazy for a while. But I used to always say, you know, when football season ends, you know, the phone starts to light up. The first part of football season is it end is is ending, and I'm feeling it. Like I I, w- I went to like look at the TV today, catch up on college games, and the Army Navy game is on today. Which is always the beginning to my football withdrawals for the year. Is Army Navy? Well, yeah, because the regular season stops for all the teams, and then they give Army Navy like the spotlight for one weekend. Like they're the only game that's on today, pretty much. Like Holy Cross and North Dakota State, and <laughs> so, so, so the withdrawals of football starts happening now, and when the when the when the Army Navy game is on, then I know. Like, okay, this is the beginning. So then we're going to have a, a week of, or a couple weeks of bowl games and then the playoffs for the college. And then it's going to be over. And then we're only going to have pros. And then that's going to be over. And as that starts to end, I usually book from February all the way to the end of May. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I do need to call Carl and actually get a trip scheduled because right now is always the best time I've had bone fishing in the bay. Well, get him now before it gets too crazy busy. Yeah. Thanks for coming in to the Real Guy Podcast today. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you for letting me rant. Winterfest <laughs> Boat Parade tonight with the fam. Yes, we are. You can count on Busaka anytime we do something G-rated. <laughs> we got sushi coming, too. Sushi wings and the Winterfest Boat Parade. Now, if I'd ask Busaka to go to a strip joint and freaking hang out to two o'clock in the morning wouldn't be a chance but i'm the, out by 10 30 but the wife calls him and tells him he's getting sushi and chicken wings and he's over here in freaking 15 minutes and that's why you're the world's favorite millennial run that dog run that dog <laughs>